This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. We've been talking about uh, high ground, and uh, Pastor Joe did a great job uh, last week. I appreciate him filling in for me. What I'm talking about, though, is I refuse to take the low ground, the, the, the lowest, the, the pits and the, the shadows and the depressions. I refuse to go that way. I choose, lay hold of the high ground, and it's so relevant. Any page you read in the Bible, you can see it beckoning us to the high ground. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's all about faith, and it's all about obeying God. And we can choose to obey God, or when we don't feel like it, we can choose to disobey God and live in the pits and the swamps and the depressions of life on the low ground. Or we can choose, refuse to do that, and we can choose to lay hold of the, the high ground. And I am telling you, that's where it's at, what God wants to do in this world. In our lifetime, however much time we have, it is laying hold of the high ground with him by our side. And God is wanting us to be on the cutting edge of what he's got in store, what he's on the move doing right now. And we can get all wrapped up in our personal stuff and our personal self and just totally miss out what God's doing. Wall around in the depressions and the, the uh, you know, pits of life. I don't want to be there. I choose the high ground. That's where I want to go. And I want to continue to talk about that just a little bit here and think about for just a moment what do you stand for you know what do you believe in you know that's a question that only you can really answer and it's not so much answering with your words it's answering it that question by your your actions by your lifestyle uh general douglas MacArthur said last but by no means the least Courage, moral courage, the courage of one's convictions, the courage to see things through. Are you the kind of person who sees things through? Or if life gets a wee bit tough, do you abandon? You see things through? Yeah. Like, like the gym? <laughs> okay, I shouldn't have brought that one out, I know. Okay. All right. But we're talking about really being a disciple, a follower of Christ. And uh, MacArthur said, courage, the courage to see things through. The world is in a constant conspiracy, so, is, so says MacArthur, against the brave. Is the age-old struggle, the roar of the crowd on one side, the culture and the peer pressure on one side, and the voice of your conscience, hated by the Holy Spirit on the other side. Do you ever feel that battle going on? The pull this away or pull that away? And we, courageous, have to lay hold of the high ground. It may not feel easy, it may be difficult, and the rest of the world may, you know, resist that, but the men and the women, the boys and the girls who choose the high ground, let me tell you, you'll make a difference, an eternal difference in this old world in which we live. Does my microphone seem to be going up and down? Well, if it's going up, I would have to say on the high ground, you know, I think. Uh, but yeah, it kind of leveled me off there. I appreciate that. Um, Dave Mott said, he said, my cousin described an incident that happened to her son, Buck, in New York, he was walking from the bus station to his dad's apartment in Upper Manhattan when he realized he was being followed by two young men. Give me your wallet. No, he, he refused. <laughs> this is a gun. Give me your wallet or I'll shoot. No, he refused again. Hey, man, you don't understand. We're robbing you. Give me your wallet. No, he refused again. Give me your wallet or I'll knife you. No, he refused again. Give me your wallet or we'll beat you up. By now the robbers were whining. <laughs> no, Buck refused again. He continued walking and after a little while, he noticed the two men were gone. And when he told me about it, I asked him, weren't you scared? 
Of course. What else would I be? Why didn't you give him your wallet? My learner's permit was in it. <laughs> so we refuse to compromise and to give in. It all depended upon our values. You know, and if you value your learner's permit, you know, you're not going to give it up, right? But what else do we value? Do we value God's word? Do we value his promises? Do we value his instruction in the manufacturer's handbook? Well, I refuse to compromise. I refuse to disobey God. I refuse to give up my learner's permit, maybe, you know. But whatever we value, it impacts the rest of our life. And hopefully, God is what we value. The high ground, relationship with him is what we value. And we take a stand because we believe in him. Now, I want us to, to go to uh, Genesis chapter 39, starting in verse 1. And here, Joseph had been portray, uh, betrayed by his very jealous brothers. And you remember, Joseph had a whole bunch of brothers. He was the youngest. Dad kind of treated him a little special, made him a coat of many colors. And he was always having revelation from God. God was giving him insight, some, some dreams and all about the future. And he was excited. He would tell everybody. But his brothers didn't like it. They were jealous of him and all. And uh, so they really hated Joseph's guts. And they had an opportunity one time when they were way far from home, tending to their sheep. And here comes Joseph. And they're thinking, little spies, I'm going to tell dad what we're doing, you know. And also, they threw him in a pit. We're going to kill him. And that would have been over with until dad, a wild animal, killed him. And, and then these uh, Ishmaelites came by. They're on the way to Egypt. And they sold slaves down there. And uh, one of the brothers, to save Joseph's life, he said, let's, let's sell him as a slave. You know, the slaves down in Egypt only last a couple of years because they work him so hard and all. And we'll get a few bucks out of it and we'll be rid of him. So that's what they did. And they told dad a wild animal killed him, brought Joseph's coat of many colors home. They put sheep bloods on it to make it look authentic. But Genesis 39 verse 1 says, After Joseph had been taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelites, Potiphar, an Egyptian, one of Pharaoh's officials and the manager of his household, now, Potiphar was the manager of Potiphar, the emperor, as they looked at the god of the region, you know. Uh, Potiphar ran everything up there for the Pharaoh. So it said, Potiphar, an Egyptian, one of Pharaoh's officials, the manager of his household, bought Joseph from the Ishmaelites. Verse 2 says, as it turned out, God was with Joseph. And things went very well with him. Did you know that when God is with you, things go well with you? Is that pretty cool or what? You know, really is. When God is with you, things go well. And there's a scripture, we'll look at it in a little bit, but it talks about laying hold of the high ground with God by your side being with you. So let me look at it one more time. Verse 2. As it turned out, God was with Joseph. He was sold as a slave. And things went very well with him. Is it possible to have contrary winds and things still go well for you? Yes. If God's with you, absolutely. He ended up living in the home of his Egyptian master. See, Joseph was a man, and you study Joseph's life. It is a phenomenal study in the Bible. You know, Joseph was a man... From his youth on up, he chose the high ground. He chose a close relationship with God. And God was always revealing things to Joseph. And it says in verse 3, his master, Joseph's master, Potiphar, his master recognized that God was with him, saw that God was working for good in everything he did. Is it possible God could be working for good in everything you do? If you've laid hold of the high ground, it's very possible, most probable. It says, <clears throat> verse 4, And Potiphar, he became very fond of Joseph and made him his personal aid. He put him in charge of all his personal affairs, turning everything over to him, Joseph. 
From that moment on, God blessed the home of the Egyptian Potiphar. All, what's that next word? Because of Joseph. Do you believe that God would bless the place where you work because of you? That God blesses those who bless you? I do believe that, that you can find favor with God. Amen. And it says, oh, just my microphone. It keeps bothering me. Is that okay? Okay. It says, all because of Joseph, God blessed the home of the Egyptian. All because of Joseph. And it says, the blessing of God spread over everything he owned. All because of Joseph at home and in the fields. And all Potiphar had to concern himself with was eating three meals a day. Now, how would you like to do that? Everything's taken care of. You're prospering left and right. All you have to do on a daily basis is to make a choice of the three meals you want, you know, and a snack here or there or something, I reckon, you know. So it says, Joseph was a strikingly handsome man, verse 7, and as time went on, <clears throat> Potiphar's, you know, his master, Potiphar's wife, became infatuated with Joseph. And one day said, sleep with me. Now, this was his master's wife. He wouldn't do it. He said to his master's wife, look, with me here, my master doesn't give a second thought to anything that goes on here. He's put me in charge of everything he owns. He treats me as an equal. And Potiphar was overseeing the Pharaoh's household. He says, he treats me as an equal. The only thing he hasn't turned over to me is you. You're his wife after all. How could I violate his trust and sin against God? Now you got to understand, Joseph had been a man of integrity faithful to God. He had laid hold of the high ground and that's why God blessed him and everything that he touched because he had laid hold of the high ground. Remember God's ways are higher than our ways and Joseph had chosen to do things God's way. Not demanding as other people do demanding to do it my way. You know. And it says in verse uh, 10, she pestered him day after day after day but he stood his ground. And that was on the high ground Joseph had made his decision. And he refused to go to bed with her. See, the high ground is remaining faithful to God, even when no one's looking. Although God's always looking, isn't he? He knows what's going on. It says in Psalms 101, verse 3, it says, I refuse to take a second look at corrupting people and degrading things, vile and vulgar things. Now, you know, we can be tempted, as he was tempted by uh, Potiphar's wife. We can be tempted. Some can flash in front of your eyes somehow or another. And that's not the situation that gets us into trouble. But it's the second look where you look again and again and your, you know, integrity begins to slip. And the scripture says, I refuse to take a second look. This is someone who has laid hold of the high ground with God at his side. I refuse to take a second look at corrupting people and degrading things. I reject made in Canaan gods. That's the low ground. Let me tell you, any God that a man can make ain't worth diddly squat. I, I'm telling you, anything that a man can make is not worth worshiping. That's absolutely for sure. Because how can a human being make a God? God created this world and he created us. Absolutely. And he says, I reject made in Canaan gods, you know. Stay clear of such contamination he's talking about. You remember Shadrach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You know, they stood up for God. They had been challenged by the emperor of the Babylonian uh, area. He said, I've made this statue, this massive golden statue. And when we play a certain kind of music, all 
every inhabitant of the land must bow to the statue that I have made and worship him as God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were, were men who had laid hold of the high ground. They had a relationship with God. And when the tens of thousands of people fell down and they worshiped this statue, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were still standing. And you become very obvious when everybody is kneeling and bowing and you're still standing, you know, you're seeing. It's very obvious, you know, what you're doing there. And um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had laid hold of the high ground. And because they stood for God, they were thrown into a fiery furnace. The Bible says it was heated seven times hotter because they would not honor their king and bow to the statue. And uh, as they were in, thrown into the fiery furnace, it had been heated up so much, the guards who threw them in were struck dead because it was so hot. And everybody from a distance were looking into the fiery furnace and they saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego, and they were walking around in the furnace. And the king said, didn't we throw three guys in? I, I see four walking around walking around now they'd been tied up walking around in the fiery furnace and that fourth one looks like the son of god let me tell you when you take a stand for god he takes a stand for and with you and the thing that that burnt they had been bound with ropes in their their clothes and they had jackets on and all they'd been bound and tied up and when they were thrown in the ropes burned but the bible says when they came out because finally the king was going like hey guys would y'all come out of there? So they couldn't go and get them. Hey, would y'all come out? And once they came out, he said they didn't even have the smell of smoke on them. When you lay hold of the high ground and you choose to do things the highway and God's way, <clears throat> let me tell you, he goes to bat for you. You honor him, whether it feels right or it's difficult or whatever, you choose to lay hold of the high ground with him at your side. And I'm going to tell you, you're blessed. You have favor and he blesses everything that you set your hand to do. <clears throat> it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 4, it says, You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. That's the low ground. When you start making images that you could possibly worship. Verse 5 says, You must not bow down to these things, any kind of an image, a statue, anything. You must not bow down to them or worship them. That's, that's the, the lowest, the, the shallowest, the, the, the depressed ground, you know. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God <clears throat> who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. Do you tolerate Affections of your spouse for someone else? Is that okay? And God, he wants our affections. Genuinely, he does. <clears throat> Going back to Genesis 39, verse 11, it says, On one day, on one of these days, he came, Joseph came to the house to do his work. And none of the household servants happened to be there. And she, Potiphar's wife, she grabbed him by his cloak, saying, sleep with me. And he left his coat in her hand, and he ran out of the house. He chose the high ground. What did he do? He ran. What was it that he did again? Ran. He ran. When you and I are tempted, what shall we do? Run. run. Absolutely. It is a noble thing to run from that which is trying to pull us down into the lowest ground, into the depressions of the lowest ground. And it says, <clears throat> she grabbed his coat, you know, he left it behind, and he ran outside. And she called to her house servants, you know, she's embarrassed, she's trying to comfort her own self. Look, this Hebrew, he shows up before, you, you, you know what, he's trying to seduce me, he tried to make love to me. But I yelled as loud as I could. She's a liar. With all my yelling and screaming, he left his coat beside me here, and he ran outside. <clears throat> she kept his coat right there until his master came home. And she told 
her husband the same story. And she said, the Hebrew slave, the one you brought to us, he came after me and, and tried to use me as his plaything. And when I yelled and screamed, he left his coat with me and he ran outside. And when his master heard his wife's story, telling him, these are the things your slave did to me, he was furious. He was furious. Now, Benjamin Franklin, he once said, he said, a man without courage is a knife without an edge. Now, how good is a knife without an edge? Not very valuable at all. What can you do with it, you know, if it don't have a sharp edge on it? A knife means it has a sharp edge on it, and Joseph had a very sharp edge on him. He was on the cutting edge of what God was doing. He had a hold of the high ground, and he wasn't letting go. And you and I, do you, do you keep, how many of you have a knife? And you don't have to have it with you, but how many of you got a knife at least at home somewhere? It's better to have it with you, of course, you know, in case you need it. How many of you know how to sharpen your knife? Okay, not as many hands going up there. It means your knife is probably dull, all right? Now, you can buy awesome knife sharpening tools. Or did you know that the good Lord has already provided some for you? Did you know that? Did you know? I just picked this up outside yesterday. Did you know that you can sharpen a knife? with All you got to do is just find the right kind of stone. There are millions of them out there, and you can actually sharpen a knife with it. And I try to keep a sharp knife in case I need it for something, you know? Are you on the cutting edge of what God's doing? Is your knife sharp? Have you laid hold of the high ground with him at your side? Has he instructed you how to be on that cutting edge? Um, listen to what it says here in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. It says, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. That's standing on the high ground. That's being a man or woman of faith. That's obeying what God has to say. Hearing is not enough, but hearing and doing is so important. So it says, be on guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Keep your knife sharp. You know, have your knife with you so you can use it. Keep that thing sharp. So if you need, you know, and I've read this since I was a kid. You know the people who get cut with their own knife, you know why? It's dull. You say, what? It's dull, it's got gouges in it, and it slips, and, and, and you look it up. People get cut with their knife because it's not kept sharp. And you and I want to be on the edge of what God's doing. We want to keep our knife sharp. It says in uh, verse 13 here, 1 Corinthians 16, be on guard, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, and do everything with love. Love for God and love for your neighbor. That's what he's telling us. Well, let's go back to Genesis 39, picking back up over here with Joseph. And it says, Joseph's master took him and threw him into the jail where the king's prisoners were locked up. This is not just some ordinary, everyday kind of jail. This is where the king put his prisoners. Now, that was serious. Joseph's master took him, threw him into jail where the king's prisoners were locked up. But there in jail, God was still with Joseph. Is that possible? Though you have conflict and difficulty, is it possible that God's still with you? Yes. Is it possible that he can turn this thing around and work it together for good? Because yes. you've laid hold of the high ground in your relationship with him? So it says in verse 21, God was still with Joseph and he reached out in, what's that say? Kindness to Joseph. And he put him on good terms with the head jailer. Do you know it's God who puts you on good terms with people? Whether they're believers or not, God can give you favor. And will give you favor if you laid hold of the high ground with him at your side. Verse 22, it says the head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. I mean, although he had contrary winds and difficulties... God blessed him wherever he went, whatever he did, whatever he touched. And I'm going to tell you something. You're in a covenant relationship with God, whether you know it or not. 
He wants to do the same for you. He really does. And just because we have conflict, sometimes we, we throw our faith to the wind and we moan and groan and bellyache and we complain. And God despises complaining and that negativism. He surely does. But he blesses the men and women who've laid hold of the high ground and do things the high ways and think the high thoughts, as Joseph did. And it says the head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners. He ended up managing the whole operation, you know. It says in verse 23, the head jailer gave Joseph free reign, never even checked on him because he trusted him. Joseph was a man of integrity because God was with him. Whatever he did, God made sure it worked out for the best. That's amazing when you think about it. And God wants to do the same thing for you. When you and I choose the high ground, we choose his ways, the highways. When we choose his thoughts, the high thoughts. And God will bless everything you set your hand to. And we can moan and groan and we can get negative and we just lose our faith and we start disobeying God and we start compromising and, and doing those kinds of things. God don't bless that. But he blesses the men and the women who lay hold of the high ground. Listen to what it says. <clears throat> I referred to it earlier. 1 Corinthians 7.23, it says, All of you, slave and free both, were once held hostage in a sinful society. Then a huge sum was paid out for your ransom. What was that sum? The lifeblood of Jesus was paid to ransom you and me. It says, so please don't, out of old habit, slip back into being or doing what everyone else tells you to do. Don't give in to the culture. Don't give in to the peer pressure. And it says in verse 24, friends, stay where you are called to be. God is there. Hold the high ground with him at your side. This is what Joseph did, and Joseph did not compromise. He was a man of integrity, you know, through the thick and the thin, and, and public view, and behind closed doors, he was a man of integrity, the scripture tells us. See, true courage, which comes from Christ, it never meets its match. True courage. The heights of the mountains <laughs> encourage courage. Men and women who are courageous. The depths of the ocean excite courage. The sounds of war stimulate courage. The difficulty of a job, it inspires courage. Criticism challenges courage. Adventure arouses it. Danger incites it. Threats quicken it, which means it makes it come alive. For those who are trusting in God, I'm going to tell you something. This is a secret, but it's the truth. When you've laid hold of the high ground, the best is yet to come for you. It is because God's wanting to bless everything you touch. And he's wanting to bless the people who are in your sphere of influence. And you can dynamically touch their lives and make a difference. Now, God promoted Joseph not only to ruling the prison, and it's another whole long story, but Joseph was moved shortly thereafter into being second in command to the Pharaoh himself. No one in all of Egypt other than the Pharaoh had more power than Joseph did. Potiphar worked for Joseph now. And I'm sure that Potiphar's wife shook in her, her sandals every time she heard Joseph's name. You know. But God showed him favor because Joseph had laid hold of the high ground and because uh, of God's blessings and he was able to fulfill what God had revealed to him about his brothers and his dad. And, and it, it trickles down if we had time to study it. And it affects and blesses you and me today because of this man, Joseph. A man who had laid hold of the high ground with God at his side, you know. Now, the Bible are filled with firsthand stories of such courage in the lives of ordinary people. Ordinary people who lay hold of the high ground, and guess what happens? They become invaded by the living God. Amen. What does that mean to us? Would you like to be invaded by the living God? Becoming a God-controlled man, a God-controlled woman, you know, who God is for you in every facet of your life? You remember 
John the Baptist was a man who had become invaded with God himself. And do you remember what John the Baptist would say? He said, I must decrease, but he must increase. Let's do it God's way, not my way. There are some people who will argue and they'll scream and holler and, and moan and groan and whine and bellyache to get it done their way. But God's way has this fantastic blessing already put upon it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 56, it says it was sin that made death so frightening and in law code, guilt that gave sin its leverage. Now, have you ever felt guilty? Ever been, ever been guilty? You know, you, you don't want to tell me for the most part. I know, I know how guilty is. But guilt, as the scripture says, it gives sin leverage. When we feel guilt because we think, well, what's happening right now is because of something I did and this, that, and another. And, and the truth of it is that God wants to forgive us. It says guilt, it gives sin, it's leverage, it's destructive power. So if, if you're walking around with guilt in your life, it has destructive power. You're not going to walk into high ground. So you got to let God forgive you of your past sins. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus shed his blood. And it says in verse... Um, 57, but now in a single victorious stroke of life, all three, sin, guilt, and death, are gone. The gift of our master, Jesus Christ. Thank God we're forgiven. Those consequences have been removed because what Jesus did for us. And it says here, uh, picking up in verse 58, it says, with all this going for us, the guilt gone we're forgiven with all this going for us, my dear, dear friends, stand your ground. That's talking about the high ground with God at your side, like Joseph did. It says, with all this going for you, my dear friends, stand your ground and don't hold back. Throw yourselves into the work of the master, confident that nothing you do for him is a waste of time or effort. Remember Joseph? Oh, he had difficulties. His brother sold him into slavery. God put him in, 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 in charge of Potiphar's household. Uh, Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. He laid hold of the high ground. He was faithful to God, a man of integrity. Got put in prison. He began to run to prison. And before you know it, because he interpreted some, some dreams and the baker and the butcher told the king about it and, and the king had a, a dream and they said, hey, this guy in prison told us. And they got Joseph and put him in second command because he had revelation from God. Don't get all bent out of shape when you have conflict. God is in the midst of using that to shape us and give us an opportunity to be men or women of integrity. He gives us that opportunity. You see, Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked run away when no one is chasing them. Why? Guilty conscience. If, if you're doing something that you know you ought not to be doing, you're probably doing Do you know what I'm talking about? It says the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. Now, I don't know if he was here on Friday night, but we watched Narnia together, and I'm talking about like the lion in Narnia. You know, the lion represented Christ. You know, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the Bible refers to. And he says, but the godly, the godlike, those who lay hold of the high ground, are as bold as lions, unlike the lion in the Wizard of Oz. And what was he? <laughs> a coward, you know. He was a coward. But the Bible says that godly are as bold as lions. Isaiah 33, verse 15, it says, live right. That's men and women who lay hold of the high ground. Live right. Speak the truth. Despise exploitation, misuse or abuse or, or manipulating things. It says despise exploitation, refuse bribes, reject violence, avoid evil amusements. And there's a lot of that around in this day and time. This is how you raise your standard of living by obeying what it says there. Becoming men and women of integrity. He lay hold of the high ground and raise your standard of living to the way Christ lives. And it says a safe and a stable way to live. A nourishing, satisfying way to live. 
a life that refuses to compromise, whether anybody's looking or not, because God's always watching us, and he's always there for us. And I'm talking about becoming a disciple, a true follower of God. Now, I want you to look at a little video clip, uh, and then we'll continue to go on. I don't follow an idea. I don't follow a religion. I follow no ordinary person. I walk in the steps of one man. One man who wasn't afraid. He spoke with truth and grace. He stood up, took on sin face to face. There is no one else like him. He makes the heavens with his breath. He brings redemption with his death. He came to save the wayward world of sin. Father. A savior. My God. My friend. The blind see, the deaf hear, the dead live with him. He has every right, but he doesn't condemn. He came to give. Freedom from darkness. A heart to the heartless. Love to the loveless. Courage that starts with faith in him who will never fail. That's the one I follow. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. He called my name. He told me to take up my cross. To go tell the story. To love and to serve. To speak it boldly. So I will stand up for him. Some may laugh. Some will judge. My flesh will cry out, but I won't give in to the selfish urge. To live for someone or something that has never stared death in the face, only to rise in victory from the grave. He is for me. Who could ever stand against? So with trembling hands, I'll no longer sit on the fence. Lip service is not enough. I won't just sit in a pew. I won't bite my tongue. Before him and through him, I will run. He has marked our race. And from the start to the finish, I will seek his face. I will live and I will love like Jesus by the power of the spirit that he gave us. I will give up what I cannot keep to gain what I cannot lose. I'll be a disciple. Will you? Will you follow Jesus? Will you follow the tug of the Holy Spirit upon your life? It says in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 24. Are y'all there? Yeah. Okay, great. I had a problem because of my notes last night. Just check it. All right, Hebrews eleven twenty-four. it says, by faith. Moses, when grown, he was mature enough to know what he was doing. It says, Moses, when grown, he refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. You remember they were trying to kill this leader who was going to raise up amongst them down there in Egypt, and, and they were trying to kill him, and that was Moses who was really trying to kill. His mom put him in a little uh, um, you know, boat that she'd made you know, out of rushes and cattails and stuff, put him in the water to try to protect him. And Potiphar's daughter found him when she was down there bathing with her party, you know, of, of maids and all. And here the, the, the leader that they were trying to kill that they had heard some prophecy about, Potiphar's dollars raised Moses. You know, it's pretty amazing how God did that. But it says, by faith, Moses, when grown, he refused the privileges of the Egyptian royal house. He chose a hard life for God's people who were slaves rather than the opportunist, soft life of sin with the oppressors. He valued suffering in the Messiah's camp far greater than Egyptian wealth because he was looking ahead. He was anticipating the payoff. And I'm talking about the highest of the high ground. That's what he's looking forward to. Verse 27 says, By an act of faith, he turned his heels on Egypt, indifferent to the king's blind rage. And he had his eye on the one no one can see. That was the almighty God. Takes faith to see him, you see. And he kept right on going. By an act of faith, Moses kept the Passover feast and sprinkled Passover blood on each house so that the story of the firstborn wouldn't touch him. And you understand the Passover that took place way, 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 way back then? As they were getting ready to come out of the bondages of Egypt, 
You know, and Moses gave him instructions from God that everyone was to take a pure spotless lamb. That was the way uh, God's people had always done it because God had set it up for a reason that you had to take a spotless lamb, not a sick one, not a deformed one, but a spotless lamb. You checked it for certain days and then you sacrificed it. Then you cooked it and then you ate it and, and all. And then you took the blood of that lamb with a hyssop plant and you struck the, the door over your door where you went in. You hit it with blood on this little bush. And then you, you came over here and you hit your doorpost with the blood. And then you hit over here. And can you see what you draw with that? As the blood is dripping down on the, the ground from the doorpost. And when you go over here, you can see a cross. It was portraying what would happen thousands of years later when Christ came. And it says here, by an act of faith, he kept the Passover. And what happened was when they... You know, God had told them all the Egyptians, their firstborn would die unless they sacrificed a lamb. And they dipped the blood that way. And every eldest died in the household that night, except the Israelites who had followed the direction of Moses. They took the lamb and represented Christ. They shed his blood. And that night, the angel of death who came into the communities there, when it saw the blood, it passed over. That's why when you and I accept Jesus, the Lamb of God, as our Savior, and the enemy of our soul, and the death angel sees us, he passes right on over. He don't stop. He don't do his destructive work. So that's what the Passover was all about. Passing over because of those who obeyed God. They laid hold of the high ground. They did things God's way, you know, you see. And Jesus, even in the New Testament, is referred to as our Passover. Because of Christ's shed blood, the, the powers of, of death and destruction pass over us because we've applied the blood, you see, to our own life. I hope my computer comes back on here. Oh, thank you, Lord. Whew. All right. Okay, let's see. What verse was I on here? 29. Okay. Uh, it says, by an act of faith, see, they had obeyed God by this, this sacrifice of the lamb, by an act of faith, Israel walked through the Red Sea on dry ground. Dry ground. I'm talking about the bottom of the Red Sea. That's probably as deep, as low as you can go. You're under the, the sea. You're on the very bottom. And it says here, by faith. And faith means that you hear what God says and you obey it. You do it. By faith. It says the Israelites walked through the Red Sea on dry ground and the Egyptians tried it and they drowned. By faith, the Israelites marched around the walls of Jericho for seven days. Why? Because God told them to. Didn't seem logical, but they did it God's way. And the walls did what? Fell flat. Verse 31 says, and by an act of faith, Rahab, the Jericho harlot, she welcomed the spies. She went against her own religious background. She got things right. And she welcomed the spies and escaped the destruction that came upon those who refused to trust and obey God. Her and her household survived. And verse 32 says, I could go on and on, but I've run out of time. There are so many more, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets. Through acts of Faith and obedience is, is these acts of faith. We believe God and we, we do things his way. We lay hold of the high ground. It says, uh, through acts of faith, verse 33, they toppled kingdoms and made justice work. And they took the promises for themselves. And, and they were protected from, from everything, from, from lions, from fires, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel with the lion, and, and, and sword thrusts, and turned disadvantage to advantage. The disadvantage, they turned it to advantage because of their faith, because they lay hold of high ground. They obeyed God, and it says, and they turned disadvantage to advantage. They won battles, and they routed alien armies, which means the alien armies went running scared. Women received their loved ones back from the dead, and, and there were those who under torture refused to give in and go free. They refused compromise, preferring something better, the resurrection. Verse 36 says, others 
braved abuse and whips and, yes, chains and dungeons, refusing to compromise. You know, true courage is it's like a kite. Anybody ever flown a kite here? It's the contrary wind that makes a kite fly. My dad, we used to make kites, and he showed me how to fly a kite. And then he'd give me the kite, and he would go to the other side of the field there with the string on it, and we would always face the kite into the contrary wind. Same way an airplane takes off. They face the contrary wind. And when you turn loose of the kite, it causes it to go higher. So just because you have a problem or a difficulty, you've got great opportunity to lay hold of the high ground with God by your side and go higher and higher. Even as Joseph, with difficulties coming against him, as long as you stay faithful to God, lay hold of the high ground. It takes more courage to obey God. <laughs> Did you know it takes courage to pay your taxes? <laughs> Did you know the Bible says you render unto Caesar to your government what belongs to them? And it says you render unto God what belongs to him. You know, that takes courage. It takes a man or a woman laying hold of the high ground, the high ways, the high thoughts, doing things God's way. And he promises to be with you and he'll bless you and all that you set your hand to do. So it, it tells us this and we see it throughout the Bible. It, it takes more courage to pray than not to pray. You remember Daniel prayed when they forbid it and they threatened to put people in a, a lion's den for a month. I mean, to put you in it for a whole month, this threat was there if they caught you praying. Daniel went home just like always and he prayed three times a day. They threw him in the lion's den. It's a pit in the ground. A big rock covers it. They dropped him down in there. The lions didn't bother him all night. The king came the next day and the king was so delighted to see the lion had uh, that Daniel had survived the lion's den. And then they threw the bad guys who really, you know, twisted around and, and caused Daniel to be thrown in. And they threw them into the lion's den. And the Bible says the lions jumped up off of the ground. They were so hungry. And they killed those bad guys before they even hit the bottom when the king threw them in there. But Daniel had slept there with those lions all night long. That's favor. When men, women lay hold of the high ground and God's ways. And, and think God thoughts. You remember? We read it a little while ago in Proverbs 28. talks about the godly are as bold as lions. You know, it takes more courage to be a servant than to be served. It takes more courage to share the gospel than to be silent. It takes more courage to overcome evil with good than to overcome evil with evil. You know, doing to others as we want them to do to us. It, it takes more courage to pray at mealtimes than to be unthankful. It takes more courage to admit and confess our sins than to hide our sins. It takes more courage to give birth and raise a baby than to abort the baby. It takes more courage to live like Jesus than to live a life of compromise. Napoleon often referred to Marshal Ney as the bravest man he had ever known. Yet Ney's knees trembled so badly one morning before a battle that he had trouble mounting his horse. And when he was finally in the saddle, he shouted contemptuously, Shake away, knees! You would shake worse than that if you knew where I'm going to take you today. And then another great man that you'll recognize in our time, you know, he's gone now, but... He said, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. Anybody know who said that? John Wayne, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know what? There's so much to talk about regards, regarding the, the high ground, but God is on the move. God is on the move. Amen. Just like we watched the movie in Arnie the other night, and it's like, what was that, guys? Aslan's on the move. Well, I'm telling you, God is on the move. And he'll use any man, any woman, any boy, any girl who humbles himself and chooses to do things God's way, who'll lay hold of the high ground, the highways, the high thoughts. And you just do what God says, like Joseph. God just blessed Joseph. No matter what happened to Joseph, he just kept his eyes on God. He was a faithful man, a man of integrity, laid hold of the high ground, and God blessed 
Joseph. And he'll do the same for you. You and I have a better covenant than Joseph did since Christ has given his life for us. And he's looking for men and women who will do just that. Can uh, I see that connections card again before we pray? It just simply says, and I would challenge you to practice this at least for a week and maybe for the rest of your life. I choose to obey God. That's how you lay hold of the high ground. I choose to obey God like Joseph did, like Moses did, like so many in the Bible we read, we read about. I choose to obey God. I choose not to compromise. I choose the high ground. If that's you, check it off. Drop it in the tithe box. It's a simple, it's a simple thing. But it's, it's a disciple, a, a man or a woman who disciplines himself to do things God's way. And you will receive the consequences of God being present and being with you and blessing you and turning everything that goes on in your life around and working it together for good. You want to do a good study? Study the life of Joseph. You know, and it's amazing the favor God showed him and the favor that he's trying to show you and me right now. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, it encourages us. It helps us. It lifts us up. Lord, your word, when hidden in our heart, gives us the ability to stand against the temptations that come against us. Lord, your word enables us to run from the temptations that tries to pull us down. And Lord, we ask that you'd help us to follow due order, that we would do things your way and not try to ask your blessings on our personal agendas, but find out your agenda that's already blessed. Bless my brothers and sisters, those who are in this room, those who are downstairs in the cafe, the balcony. Lord, bless all the men and women who are watching us online or listening to a DVD or a CD right now. Lord, through your word, it changes us. It don't return void, but it accomplishes what you sent it to do. And Lord, may we become men and women on the cutting edge. May we become on the move along with you and change this world in which you have placed us and turn in our lives everything that seems to be a contrary wind, turn it around and work it for good and help us to gain higher altitude and higher ground as we just lay hold of of you in our relationship and doing things your way. Oh, Father, bless these men, bless these women and boys and girls. As our heads are, are remain bowed for just a moment, would you reaffirm your faith in Christ? Or maybe some of you declare your faith for the very first time, but would you pray with us right now? Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father I believe that you love me. That and that's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he gave his life for me. And I believe he rose from the dead. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus in. And I say, let's do things your way. Let's think your thoughts. Lord, change me. Transform me. To become more like your son, Jesus. I surrender all my past, my present, and my future. And I say, let's do it your way. Thank you for your forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen.